0: Welcome to the summer series of Culture Factor. I'm Holly Shannon. When I spoke at this year's NFT NYC, I used my downtime to interview the experts about their engagement in the Web3 space. We've talked on Culture Factor a lot about what Web3 is and how it's being used, but I wanted to try and understand why. Almost every person I spoke to had a similar reason for being part of Web3 they all wanted to help fulfill our most basic, fundamental, evolutionary need, connection. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to explore the methods that artists, collectors, and businesses use to bring about connection. I'll break down the whys, not just the what's, of this new digital space we find ourselves in. Hello, Culture Factor family. Today, I have Elena Dogen, and she is a strategist at vayner Three a Twitter Spaces audio host with Rarible, and author of a weekly newsletter called NF Times. She's a photographer and a graduate of NYU Gallatin, where she studied um, technology ethics and the user experience. She has been on various podcasts talking about ethics in Web3, and we will also tap into that. Um, she gives workshops about NFTs and publishes other articles about Web3 on 137 p.m. and Crypto Slate. So, Welcome to culture factor Elena.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. I'm very excited to have um, Actually for a second time to have another Vayner voice on the show. We had Troy Pizzetti, um A while back in season three when we were getting sort of our education um, And our season four summer series has taken a little different turn um, and so let me first let me ask you about Vayner Three because I understand it's a new vertical for for the Vayner team. Uh, I know they have like Vayner NFT, Vayner Media, VCon, and they have a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, are you excited to be on the ground floor of this?
1: Hundred percent. Working at Vayner is amazing because we get to work with such huge brands, a lot of Fortune five hundred companies and actually educate them about Web3 and help them navigate the space. And I feel like we've been doing a really authentic job in especially focusing on the culture of Web3 because and but these brands entering the space, it's so important that they are understanding of the existing crypto culture. And um, what is important for me and our team is that we're conscious of Let's say carbon footprints and you know, involving artists from different backgrounds, so that is that has always been very important for our team. So, our role in that is uh important to me, and also to to clarify because I remember there was some confusion. So, Wainer NFT sort of transferred into Wayner 3, so they're the same thing.
0: Oh, okay, all right, all right, great, great. Well, I, I think, um, maybe with the new iteration of it, it probably has allowed you to expand a little upon, um, what the goals of that are, what the mission of, of that. And I, I love actually that, um, I said this with Trey as well. I love that culture is kind of the base and the mission by which all else is filtered in terms of how you work, uh, within the company, your relationships with customers And then, of course, the vision of the company, Um, very often culture um, is merely something that's written at the very beginning and put on the website, but holds very little meaning.
1: Yeah, I will say, I believe in Ed Vayner, the culture is very positive and very uplifting. And what Gary says in his social persona does reflect into the company.
0: It's nice that he walks the talk. It sounds like he really does. That's really Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, In my first episode of season four, because we've now shifted from education into the summer series, which was born at NFT NYC, where I was interviewing artists and collectors um, throughout that. At the very beginning of the season, we kind of focused on the user experience and, um, the vantage point was that um, the friction that an artist or collector will bump into in the initial growth of the space and, and around the adoption of the tools. So where do you see the user experience maturing? Because I think that that might be one of your sweet spots.
1: That's a great point because right now the M- main users of crypto are people who understand the technology or they at least understand how NFTs work and they just took the trading mentality and applied to NFTs and the main point is to, to make money. But um, I think the thing that what is important is Sorry, could you, could you repeat the question?
0: Yeah, I think, fe- no, no, that's okay. Um, so what I was saying is that there's a lot of friction, um, right now oh, yeah, for user the artists. Yeah. For the artists, cl- the, the user experience is clunky, right? Like it, it's not, it's not simplified in any way, um, for a number of reasons. And so, You know, I think we're, we're all bumping around in it, whether you're the artist or the collector and, and there's no, there's no seamless way yet to, to really use web three space. Um, so I'm curious from a user experience standpoint, like, do you see it maturing and, and maybe in what way?
1: Yes. So this is a problem that I actually first noticed, um, Three four years ago, where I was uh, my initial job at in crypto was at this company called Threefold Foundation, which is building a layer zero foundation about for peer to peer internet. And there we were tasked to imagine and create an app that would be easily accessible to users uh, that people can actually benefit from blockchain. Because I think that's one of the main problems that everyday user doesn't know whether which applications are Web3, what does that even mean, how to interact with blockchain, because that's not really streamlined. And a lot of the applications right now are also mainly geared towards uh, people who code or have have more technical knowledge, at least um, both on a surface level, I believe, just to use marketplaces. You don't need to know too much, but still, still so. Uh, but especially advanced Uh, applications and protocols, you need to know more. So to onboard the next million people, we need to make sure the UI is beautiful. And I think this is uh, something apparent in Web2 platforms and companies as well, because UI has been gathering more and more um, attention and importance. Just because that's how users interact. And usually UI is what keeps people on, keeps people on the app or, or doesn't, um, you know, doesn't interest people.
0: Do you, do you see it maturing from four years ago?
1: For sure. I think even the marketplaces that we have right now are easily navigatable. And I think, especially when we get into social platforms, the Web3, then that's going to be even more so. And, you know, people are, aren't really building next Instagram or Twitter per se right now, but it's more people are trying to build the Web3 version of Discord. So I think that's where we're gonna see the initial steps because I, I, I can think of like three companies right now, three startups trying to do the Web3 Discord. So how they will create the communities and talk, token-gated content and perhaps how they will make it easy for communication, that's going to be key in figuring out which Web3 social platform will be the one that's more, most popular.
0: That's very exciting for me, actually, because I'm not a fan of Discord. I think that it's, um, very, uh, very loud. It, it's very hard to use, um, especially if you follow many different Discord channels and I do. Um they're all run differently. Um I, I liken it to like a bowl of spaghetti. It's just like a mess to me. There's just too much going on in there and I actually find myself overwhelmed by the experience and I leave. So I'm I'm not learning in there and I'm not um I'm not leveling up in terms of what the offerings are or changes coming down the pike uh, for any of the brands that are on there having a Discord channel. So I'm really excited that you said that. (laughs) Um, For sure. So, you know, so we talk about user experience. So switching from that, I also realize that you're passionate about the human experience from reading some of you. Um, What do you think... Um, specifically what that's going to be like in the NFT and web three space. And maybe like you can share with me the human experience from the artist perspective and from the collector perspective, because I think one is selling one is buying. It's very different.
1: Yes. I think taking a step back even, because I was really interested in, like you said, the human experience and my uh, area of academic study was also figuring out how these technologies that we use every day for hours, how are they impacting our brains, our psychologies? So focusing on uh, technology ethics was something I was very passionate about because I believe that ever since you know, I was young, that these platforms, while they provide such beautiful, seamless experiences, it was clear that because they're becoming billion dollar companies they're not necessarily aiming towards us and the, the more i learned about it the more it was it was scary to me so that's why i wanted to focus on that and and figure out what went wrong with those two companies and how we approach them and how they approach making a product and how can we make sure to not repeat those same mistakes in creating different applications for Rev3. And one thing that's important for me is, you know, instead of trying to rush through the new iteration of this web uh, and building stuff, I think we should have more conversations and involve more voices so we build better products that is built by diverse teams. But in terms of uh, the human experience, just in general, I I believe in 10 years, it's going to be a lot of things that we use will be NFTs, but we won't necessarily call them NFTs. And I'm pretty sure that we will will be in a um, blockchain agnostic ecosystem. People will interact with NFTs. They're not gonna know which blockchain it's on. They might not know that it's an NFT itself. Even Reddit launching NFTs, they're calling them digital collectibles, not necessarily NFTs because at, at this point, after the last two years, there's some sort of connotation around the word NFT. So for, for artist perspective, I, I believe the, the artist will have so much more power because you could take your artwork and basically sell anywhere you want without having to have that, um, that lost that you would have on Web2 platforms where if you're trying to sell clothing, let's say going from uh, app A to app B, is very costly in terms of trying to list everything again and get get up to speed with how the platform works. So a a lot of responsibility lies on the artists to take charge of their own artwork and their approaches, but it gives so much more power by getting rid of the middleman. And a lot of artists in terms of more music you know, more connections with fans, direct connections with fans, and collectors, they will be able to have a part in the artist's journey. I think that's what Web3 makes it so beautiful, is the the fact that you could actually invest in an artist early on and then learn and grow and, and partake in their success as they move in their careers.
0: Yeah, I, I love that part of it myself. It's it's kind of like you you buy into their future. Hey Culture Factor family. I have been enjoying rose over this very hot summer, and Harmony wine has been my newest addiction. My friend Matt Harmon has not only created this delicious rose from Provence, but it has these beautiful notes of strawberry and floral, and it's dry and super yummy. And he put it in the prettiest of cans that you can take to your picnic or a barbecue. Matt and I agree that the best rose comes from the south of France. That's probably why we're friends. And he is going to be giving you my culture factor family 20% off. Your harmony wine link is in the show notes. I'm curious, like, are there, because you know more about maybe the, the web three ethics platforms and, you know, the, the language maybe behind that, how can an artist protect themselves? You know, if they're just innocently producing their music or their art, you know, maybe it's photographs or whatever, and they want to create NFTs, they're stuck with that word right now. Um, how can they protect themselves?
1: In terms of um, their artwork
0: and their... Just, just the ethics of it. Like, is there, you know, there's, a, you know, some bad actors out there, right? There's, there's things happening, the, the unethical behavior of wallets being drained or NFTs stolen or rug pulls. How can an artist protect themselves?
1: I guess collector, for collectors, that might be even more important, right? Mm-hmm. Because they invest in these projects. For, for collectors, I would say it lies a lot of responsibility in researching the projects, researching the team, and understanding how wallets work. Same with artists. Understanding how blockchain works, how wallets work, to a certain extent, is important. You know, Talking about user experience, actually, I am a proponent of not making everything so easy. Um, while it's a still a debating topic, it, I feel like if we make interacting with blockchain so easy and seamless without giving any proper education, then these problems occur more so because if you don't know how to open your own wallet or what that in, entitles, I don't think you should own a non custodial wallet with an NFT on it because you need to have that knowledge, that's the premise of Web3, that you know more about your own data, your own assets, digital assets and have ownership and you can act on on them. So in terms of that, um, I mean, in terms of like rug pulls and hacks and uh, that's scams, that's unfortunately happens in any emerging space. That's what I always hear during Web2 boom in the 2000s. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So many projects that are or pro- platforms that were just not successful. So how I, how I would predict is um, most of the projects will die and they're not going to be successful, but the ones that are successful will, will be huge brands similar to uh, Meta or Apple or Microsoft. And about artists, I think another point of your question is what reminds you of plagiarism because that's also a topic widely discussed. You know, Just last week, actually, GameStop uh, allowed an image, uh, a re- remaking of an image to be sold in as an NFT. Uh, the picture was Falling Man from 9-11. It was a f- famous picture that the artist just make the man into an astronaut and sold the NFT and then GameStop later removed that NFT because the the owner of the NFT, the creator, did not own the IP. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the conversations around IP is going to be one of the main ones and it it has to continue throughout next years because even with uh Seth Green's ape being stolen, the it's it's very different what, what could happen. There are a lot of scenarios. Blockchain enables a lot, but we're also in bounds of the law. So it's very difficult to navigate that space. But I believe the more we live through these things and situations, then we will find solutions and answers to these questions.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... It's, it's just a learning experience. We just get better over time in, in how to uh, mitigate these circumstances. And um, I've said on many episodes before when people have talked to me about, you know, doing their due diligence, but then they it was a rug pull and, you know, you hear about all these people getting things stolen. And, and so a lot of people are reluctant to get into it. And, and I say to many people, Kind of the same thing that you're just saying here is that we're not—you're uh, never insulated from bad actors and people who who want to steal and and um, exploit any system. You know, there's a lot of people in Web2 that went through getting their identities stolen. I had that happen to me. We had to go through the IRS and our Whoa. taxes and the whole thing, and it took. A couple of years for it to rectify itself. You know, I remember my parents literally bringing the mail in and if there was any like offers for like credit cards or things that they didn't want, they would tear them up like a lot before putting them in the garbage because people used to steal your mail out of the garbage so that they could exploit you that way. So like, it, it happens IRL. It happened in Web two, and it will happen in the metaverse. Like I, I don't think we are insulated from any of of that behavior. Not in my mind.
1: It's not the technology. It's just actors. Mm-hmm. No technology is inherently good or bad. I always find it funny when people don't like NFTs. Like it's sim. It's the same thing as not liking uh, PDF because it's just the format. It's mm-hmm. what you make with it.
0: I agree. And I don't like the name NFT, either. So I, I will tell you, um, I interviewed William Enterkin, who was one of the four people who authored the paper on the NFT. So I, you know, I can't call him the inventor of it, because he was one of four people, but he's kind of like 25% of the inventor. But <laughs> And I said to him, I'm like, why did you guys choose non-fungible token? Couldn't you come up with something else? Um, so maybe you'll be a part of this with me because he sent me the list of the other choices they came up with. And I said, we need, we need to do a poll. Like we need to do like a renaming of it. We need to get a lot of people behind it because no one likes it, you know? I mean, if you Google, you know, WTF, NFT, like there's like a zillion articles, right? Because nobody's like, nobody even understands it. Like, even if it's explained to you, it still is a weird term. I, I don't like it.
1: <laughs> I would be curious to hear the other names for sure.
0: Your your vote right now is digital digital collectible. Is that what you said
1: earlier? Yeah, that's the one Reddit is saying right now for their own NFTs.
0: Okay, all right, cool. Well, maybe we can we can start with that and I'll let you know when I'm uh, posting that episode and we can um, maybe we can start a poll and uh, you can bring that into the Vayner ecosystem. I'm sure it'd be really interesting to see what everybody's responses to that. It'd be really cool. I think so. <laughs> so how, are you enjoying writing for um, cause, so you have two different things you write for. So 137 pm is that a, a Vayner? publication and crypto slate and then i think you had your own right you had uh nft nf times sorry i want to get that right or uh, is that correct the umbrellas those are under yes uh
1: 137 is part of the Boehner media family my main uh thing that i write is my newsletter that i've been publishing for more than a year at this point and um it's it's weekly news of know different brands and industries entering entering the space and just kind of compiling what happened that week that I I believe it's important and I try to not miss anything just to provide a comprehensive newsletter. And aside from that, I like doing some thought pieces that are too long or too much to get into detail in, in the newsletter. So I publish in several different places, which has been really fun because this space is so fast that being able to document it and um, perhaps, you know, we don't know how they're going to look at this crypto craze two years, in, in 10 years, 20 years. So being able to document what happens in the sentiment of that moment uh, is is very fun to me. Mm. There are a lot of different ideas too, right? The What makes me so passionate about this space is... The fact that there are so many routes that we can take, so many thought experiments that we can do, so many projects, protocols, like the technology is there. You just need to figure out how to get there. Or I, I don't have the technical skills to code, unfortunately, so I can theorize it and, and at least write about it.
0: I love that. And I love how you said you're, you're like documenting the sentiment of now um, which changes week by week. So it's, it's really, uh, it's really great that you're doing that. I, I love that. I'm, I'm curious, is there anything like that you would want to share that I'm not asking you? Like, is there something that you're doing, um, under Vayner three or in your writing or in the, the education side that you would want to share with people that I'm not asking you about?
1: One part that's important to me is education. So I try to educate people in different aspects. I try to respond to whoever reached out to me and help out because I think my main role and why I feel so passionate about it and why I want to work in Web three for long term is I think having more women and people from underrepresented groups is so important in in any space, so in positions of power so we can have a ripple effect and have more people and people from underrepresented groups and women in, in spaces where we can be vocal. So that's what I'm mainly passionate about, the, the fact that that we need more women voices on these panels, on Twitter spaces, on any, any sort of room that's, that that a crypto conversation is going on. I try to call people out, which you know I, I enjoy to do because I feel like somebody's gonna do it, and I'm happy to be that person because I do not want us to build the Web 3 in a way that's that's just like a repetition of Web 2, where 25 to 35 year old white guys in Silicon Valley office you know making decisions about billions of people's daily interactions and how they how they see their notifications or uh, what they see online. So that's, that's my main passion, I would say. And, and um, I try to upload voices and hopefully, hopefully we will build a better web. And yeah, I, I write the newsletter. I have a weekly Twitter spaces with variable every Monday is that we talk about these news and bring people on to talk as well. So that's fun. And I'm, I'm also trying to um, build a, actually like a design class application right now, but that's still in the works. So if anybody who's hearing this is a Ethereum developer, you can reach out to me.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love, I, I say all the time, I, I'm hopeful that um, we can enter web three better than we left web two, because I, I agree, agree with you. I think there's, um, it's like a bro culture. It's very much VC type of culture. Um, And they quickly adapted all of the spaces that uh, we're in right now, if you're affiliated with anything to do with Web3 and NFTs. So um, having a voice, having more female voices and underrepresented voices, be able to speak up and speak out and be a part of and shape is really a critical component to ensure that Web3 doesn't have the level of bias that I think Web2 carried. So I'm glad you are leading the charge, Alina. And um, I will put the newsletter and um, all of your socials in the um, show notes so that they can find you and they can subscribe to um, NF Times. I'm so glad that I had a chance to meet with you and have you on the show. So thank you for coming on Culture Factor.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to meet you and and have this conversation.
0: So what do you think? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wherever you leave a message, know that I'll engage with you, and others will too. I may even share your thoughts on the show. This summer is coming in hot. Please share this episode of Culture Factor now and listen with your friends. It's always more fun that way. And don't forget the Harmony Wine Rosé. Season 4 of Culture Factor is produced by Pale Blue Studios.